0: Star Wars, give me those Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars, don't have that man. Star Wars,
1: those daring
2: Star Wars, talking about Star Wars on the podcast.
0: Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Give Me Those Star Wars for the year 2017. Unfortunately, we're kicking off the new year with a somber topic. This episode will be dedicated to remembering Carrie Fisher, who passed away on December 27th, 2016, at the age of 60. This episode is coming out later than was originally scheduled. After the holidays, a nasty bout of laryngitis stripped me of the only thing a podcaster truly needs, a voice. But that delay turned out to be pretty helpful, in fact, because after Carrie Fisher died, I had no idea what to say. Right from the beginning, I mean within hours of hearing the news, I knew that I wanted to crowdsource this episode by asking friends and fellow podcasters what they loved best about Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher. But even as I asked the question of others, I didn't know what I wanted to say. I can tell you my favorite Princess Leia moments from the Star Wars films, but when it came to thinking about Carrie Fisher, the actress, the comedian, the human being, every time I sat down to write something, I just got unbelievably sad. And understand, I didn't know Carrie Fisher. She was just a movie star to me. Granted, one who appeared in some of my favorite movies, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and The Blues Brothers are all in my top five, and Return of the Jedi is no slouch either. But those movies are almost 40 years old. It's not like Carrie Fisher had been in the public consciousness, or even mine, until her recent appearance in The Force Awakens. So why does it hurt so much to lose her now? I think it's because of who she was when she wasn't being Princess Leia. If you've never read her comedy or heard her speak, make the effort to check those out. Read postcards from The Edge. Watch her live comedy special Wishful Drinking. Download videos of her speeches and interviews. She was a fiercely honest woman, a brilliant humorist, and a champion for mental health. I mean, if there's any doubt about what type of person Carrie Fisher was in life, all you need to know is the type of person she was in death. On her request, her body was cremated, and her ashes were placed in an urn designed to look like a giant Prozac pill. My God, I love her so much.
3: George Lucas, he was the man who made me into a little doll. A little doll that my first husband could stick pins into when he was annoyed with me. Then I was a shampoo where you could twist off my head and pour liquid out of my neck. And I was a soap. A soap which read, lather up with Leia and you'll feel like a princess yourself. boys and uh oh i'm a stamp now that's really cool i mean well aside from the licking but oh wait do you know the um you know those mr potato head things right well they actually they made a star wars mr potato Head line, so you might recognize me as princess tater <laughs> I had my husband Dick and our daughter Rehabilitator, but the main thing, the main, main thing that I've been made into, which has just, it's enhanced my life just enormously, I'm a Pez dispenser. No, I am. I am. Seriously. No, and if someone... Offers to make you into a pez dispenser. Do it. Because it just, it makes your whole life better. I mean, really, if you haven't been merchandised for the last 30 plus years, you haven't lived. Only aerobic.
0: I wanted to do something different for this episode. I didn't want to spend half an hour talking about her with one guest. I think the conversation would have devolved into anger and depression really quickly. And besides, I already took part in something like that on Rob Kelly's Film & Water podcast back on December 30th. Rob, along with David Ace Gutierrez and I, talked about Carrie's career in film, both in front of and behind the camera. It was a tough conversation to have. I was sad before we started. I was even sadder by the time we wrapped up. But it was important to get my thoughts out, to just speak and clear some of the fog out of my head after her death. I recommend you listen to that episode. I mean, I recommend you listen to all of the Film and Water episodes. It's one of the most consistently enjoyable podcasts out there. Anyway, I knew I wanted this episode to be a little different. It just had to be so I asked some people if they had time, if they were comfortable with it, to share their thoughts about Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher, and I left the question and the topic very broad and very open to interpretation. I didn't just want favorite Princess Leia moments, because I've already done something like that on an episode of Dead, Bath and Spies, my previous Star Wars podcast. I was more than happy enough to get those kinds of responses, but I didn't want my guests to feel like they couldn't talk about Carrie herself and what she meant to them. The first guest you'll hear from is a new voice on the show. Michael Lane is one of the hosts of the podcast Comics in the Golden Age. I've never collaborated with Michael on anything before this, but I enjoyed his podcast and I respect him, and after hearing his thoughts on Princess Leia in this segment, I think I'll definitely make an effort to get him on the show later this year.
4: Hello, this is Michael Lane of the Comics in the Golden Age podcast. First of all, I want to thank Mr. Ryan Daly for allowing me to participate in this episode. It, It means a lot. While comic books have always been my first love hobby-wise, Star Wars is a very, very, very close second behind that. I was four and a half when the original film came out, and although I apparently did go see it in the theaters in its initial run, I don't actually remember doing so, which basically means that I don't remember a life without Star Wars. As far back as my memories go, Star Wars was there. And while this isn't a place to get into it, I would not have met my wife without Star Wars, which means that I, I wouldn't have my children today if Star Wars didn't exist. So to say it has had a big impact on my life is kind of an understatement. Um, and of course that means if I don't remember a life without Star Wars, I also don't remember a life without the character of Princess Leia or without Carrie Fisher herself. When I saw these films as a kid, each of these characters had a very clear role to play in the story. Luke was the hero, the future Jedi Knight, who would take on Darth Vader. Han was the pirate, the rogue, the bad boy who would make good in the end. And Leia was very clearly the leader. But not just because she was a princess, but because Carrie Fisher portrayed her as sort of a natural politician and leader. It was obvious from that first scene where she stood up to Darth Vader, to the prison break scene on the Death Star where she takes charge over Luke and Han, to the scenes on Hoth where she's commanding the rebel soldiers. That was clearly her role the leader. And I think Carrie Fisher really deserves so much credit for that because as much as I love George Lucas and he's giving me this great thing that's had such an impact on my life, it's no secret that when it comes to dialogue, it's it's not his biggest strength. And Carrie Fisher herself gave him a lot of crap over the years for that. So I think that means these actors don't get the credit they deserve for making these characters shine in the way they did. And Carrie Fisher in particular, and particularly at such a young age with so little acting experience at the time, to be able to take what she was given by George Lucas and and still portray this character as such a strong, natural leader in the movie. she It's really hard to give her enough credit for that. My personal favorite Leia scene is one of her first big ones, which is when Han and Luke and Chewie rescue her from the cell on the Death Star. There are so many reasons to love this scene, and every actor does a great job. Each character gets moments to shine in this part. But the thing about Leia is everything you need to know about her character you get in these scenes. One thing you have to remember in her character is, at this point, she has been tortured. She has seen her planet destroyed, her family presumably killed. She is probably certain she is going to die. And she also has to be worried about the state of the Rebellion, given that, as far as she knows, she put the plans into R2-D2, and she doesn't know what happened to him after that. So she doesn't know if all they've been through is going to amount to anything. And despite all that, when a stormtrooper comes into her cell, she just looks up and casually starts making fun of him for being short. Secondly, once they get out of the cell, she figures out pretty quickly that Han and Luke do not know what the hell they are doing. But rather than panic, she starts yelling at them and berating them and immediately takes charge. So, it's like I was saying, there's no hesitation on her part to step up and take charge of a situation when it needs to be done. And it's nice to see the way Han protests her plans and she basically proceeds to ignore him and, and charge ahead. And to see Han's reaction in the line about not knowing whether he wants to kill her, or is beginning to like her. That that says a lot about her as well. And it goes all the way to when they get free of the garbage compactor, and she immediately takes charge again, including yelling at Han. So this, those scenes really work well for her. And the whole scene, basically, it, it shows Leia's attitude, it shows her strength, and it shows how she has just no hesitation of taking charge in a situation. I don't want to go on too long, but I just have a few final thoughts on Carrie Fisher herself. When I was a kid, I loved Princess Leia. But as an adult, I learned to love Carrie Fisher more. And if you ever saw her in interviews or read any of her writing, she was so funny, intelligent, insightful, witty, sarcastic, biting almost at times. She had a way of just cutting through all the crap and discussing any topic with an almost... Brutal honesty while managing to at the same time make herself even more endearing and charming. Whether it was discussing negative aspects of Hollywood or personal film career, mental illness, family troubles, substance abuse, she would never shy away from anything. And that honesty about her, I really learned to admire. And as I'm recording this, It has probably been barely two hours since I found out that, sadly, her mom, Debbie Reynolds, has also passed away. And I know there's a lot of online, you know, comments about 2016 and losing people, and I don't want to get into that here. But it is something when you see that, you just think, Jesus, that poor family, to go through so much loss in just, you know, a matter of a few days. it's, It's really sad for them, and it just... Sorry, I don't even know how the words to kind of describe that, but that just was sort of in the backdrop of me talking about this. It's just knowing that her mother, you know, the amazing actress, has also been lost. It's just so sad. So, you know, to Carrie Fisher, she will be missed. And with that, thank you again, Ryan.
0: Nathaniel Wayne picked the same scene, Princess Leia's first moment with Luke Skywalker in the Death Star cell block. Nathaniel has been a guest on this show before, and you can find him on the Council of Geeks podcast and YouTube channel, as well as the Punch Like a Girl podcast, dedicated to graphic novels with female protagonists.
5: What is there that can really be said about Carrie Fisher in Star Wars? I mean, she was considered one of the three major faces of the franchise when it came to the heroes. It was, all, it was never just Luke, it was never Han, it was never Luke and Han, it was Luke, Han, Leia. It was all three of them, always. She was right up there with the rest of them. She was just as important. She was just as iconic. And when I think of Princess Leia moments, the part that always will come to my mind first is when Luke goes into her cell in A New Hope. Now, there is quite a bit she actually has to do here. There's obviously the iconic line. We all know. We all love. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? It's a great line. But think about what actually happened there. To the best of her knowledge, a foot soldier of the Empire that has been torturing her and is preparing to kill her has just walked in. And her response is to belittle his height. That is awesome. But it doesn't stop there. Because Carrie Fisher actually, she has basically three lines in this scene. And for each line, she has to deliver a different emotion. And it flows from that sass at the beginning to slight confusion, but maybe a hint of hopefulness when Luke says that he's there to rescue her, but her reaction is, you're who? But then when he mentions Ben Kenobi's name, her her excitement and, and just getting up and like, okay, let's go right then, that... That transition, it's a completely different emotion for every one of those lines. She just flows through them. And I cannot stress enough, not only how good she is at that, but how not everybody can do what she she did at all. And I think it is encapsulated in that scene. She had to read George Lucas' written dialogue. Now, Harrison Ford was rather famously quoting, George, you may write this shit, but you don't have to say it. And I think, really, when you look at it, you break it down, the writing is not any better in A New Hope than it is in the prequels. I'm not talking about story here. I'm just talking about the nitty-gritty, the words, the dialogue. I don't think that the dialogue in A New Hope is much better written, if at all, than in Episode 1, Episode 2, or Episode 3 all written by George Lucas. So what's the difference? The difference is Carrie Fisher, as well as most of the cast of that first film, could make that dialogue work. The cast of the prequels, by and large, couldn't. But she could. She could take these lines and these disparate emotions and and just jump from one to the next to the next and not miss a beat and hit every note. And it's all right, there in that scene just everything about it encapsulates what she could do as an actress encapsulates that character and like everything that she's about the attitude but the gung-ho-ness and the never quit and just and even that kind of hint of compassion when she doesn't know who luke is i mean you really watch her when she says you're who i mean it's not she could have just kept the sass from the previous line, it could have just been a snarky "You're who? I've never heard of." You. But it's not. It's like, "Well, you want to help, but I don't know who you are." So, you know, she wants information. It's almost nurturing, in a way. It's amazing. It, and, but you never stop and think about it beyond that that first line that gets left because she did it so effortlessly. Carrie Fisher, you will be missed because you gave us. So many great memories, not just in Star Wars, in interviews, in your writing, in your other acting works. You were a joy and you will be missed.
0: Dr. G, the man of Nerdology, hosts the Pulp to Pixel podcast. He and one of his regular co-hosts, DJ Hegemony, took the question, favorite Princess Leia moment, and ran with it, giving different answers for different media. So on this segment, you will hear them talking about Princess Leia in the comics, Princess Leia in the expanded universe novels, in video games, and of course, in the movies.
6: Hey there, this is Dr. G, man of Nerdology, with the Pulp to Pixel podcast. With me is my semi-regular co-host, DJ Hegemony. Hello, everybody. DJ Hegemony, what's the question before us? What is your favorite Princess Leia moment in the comic books? All right. For me in the comic books, it's really the arc. I would say it's the Dark Empire series, I think, was the best Princess Leia. For me, at least, uh, that's what I'm like, this one I loved. Because um, she, you know, she basically does what Luke did for her, their father in return by, like, redeeming him. Because Luke turns to the dark side, there's like a clone of the Emperor. There's this whole right, thing. Yes. Like the coolest, coolest thing, the Emperor gets the ability has has the ability to like open wormholes in right, space. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, yeah, like no it's And and it's drawn by Cam Kennedy, who's a British artist who I really like because he did a lot of work on the Road Trooper series for 2000 AD, which is one of my like favorite British uh, British comic books. I love that. So yeah, for comic books, that's it for me. That's like my favorite Princess Leia in that that series. She's she becomes a Jedi like on her own from from books on tape. Yes, yeah. it's from the yeah. Holocron. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next one. Favorite Princess Leia moment from the books for me that is the end of Splinter of the Mind's Eye by Alden Foster. So this is the book that came like right after um the movies, and it was sort of a TV movie plot. Del Rey. Yeah, well they pl- they thought that they might not make in case the movie didn't do well and they had to, like, repackage it for, like, the TV audiences. Right. They'd done it really stripped down. And so, like... It
7: was a bailout.
6: Yeah. Han, Leia, and and Vader are the only characters to make it to it. And everybody else... And the the droids. And everybody else is, like... At the end, there's a sequence where Luke is pinned. So this is just post-New Hope. We're not even to Empire, uh, like Empire Strikes Back yet. Right, right. So he's right. barely starting to learn his, like, force powers. Yeah, Luke's not a badass. Character. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, like, he's not Jedi Master yet. And he um he's pinned, and she has to face off against Vader with the lightsaber. Right, the blue one. The blue lightsaber. His lightsaber. Right. Vader's lightsaber, yeah, as right. we'll learn later. Yeah. And, I, you know, as, as you think about it as like, but at the time you didn't know, but still it was like, she faced him and she's really scared and everything. She does a little well, but then ultimately like kind of cuts her down pretty bad. And then Luke goes on, but it was, it was, it was awesome. So that was my favorite from the books. All right, favorite Princess Leia moment from the movies. For me, it's New Hope, right. and it's—I mean, all of them are really my favorites, but it's New Hope, and it's the sequence where it's Tarkin and her first dialogue together on the <laughs> on the Death Star right. Right. with right. Vader right up against her, like right. as a wall that she. Every time she backs up against Tarkin, she's like right into Vader, and he's got a hand on her, controlling right. her. And she plays a gamble with Alderon, knowing that Alderon losing Alderon is worth it to keep the rebellion and destroy the Death Star and keep that like hope alive. That she like, you know, she gives in, but she gives false information as a way to like at the very least buy time for Alderon. It doesn't work out, Alderon's destroyed. <laughs> but um that's my favorite there's so many great sequences in it, you know, in the movie, but <laughs> And and the other movies too, but like, that one's my favorite because it's just like, she takes them on and she's alone and she's shackled and she's got like nothing and Vader's right behind her and she's on the Death Star and her home is on the line and she's willing to sacrifice it to for the greater good of the rest of the galaxy. She's like the strongest character it is, you know? As I like to think of sometimes, you know, I was watching New Hope last night and I thought about it, it was like, you know, New Hope is the awesome adventures of Princess Leia and her... Weird brother, dirtbag boyfriend, his weird friend, her kind of crazy droids, and that old dude <laughs> with her dick dad. In, <laughs> yeah. In a van. In a
7: van. In a crappy van running in around. A crappy van. In the 70s. Smuggling spice. Smuggling spice. Massive. Yeah. You know? Okay, last question. Okay. Favorite Princess Leia moment from
6: the video game? You got to tell them the story you told me. Okay, so my favorite video game moment is I like uh leia in the battlefront that we have on ps4 yeah, yeah, yeah. we
7: play a lot we them. play
6: a lot of that together and um she has the power of truth so she's like a dead eye in that game well i we have a friend a mutual friend who's really good at the game and he was we were this is when the game was first coming out and he swears by bubba fett he's like oh he's the best character you just right. can't beat him just can't right. beat him and i don't play as much as he does so i pick leia on purpose and I killed him like three times in a row. <laughs> I was just like, "Yeah, yeah." Uh, just remember, just remember who has the force and who's the, who's got the power, Princess Leia. <laughs> so it's a beautiful moment. Oh yeah, that no, was my favorite favorite video game Princess Leia moment for me. Any for you? How about you? You know, for me, at least the
8: movies. Okay, well,
7: my favorite part of the movies was when she shows up as like the bounty hunter in Return of the Jedi. Like, I that just, I, I loved
9: everything about that when she opened up the mask after you know, be like,
8: yeah, day,
4: yeah, day, yeah, do.
6: And she totally infiltrates Jabba's palace. It's not like it's not like she was relegated to run the the getaway car. Yeah, no, or something like that. No, she was like in the thick of it and in danger the whole time you know right the best thing i ever heard was that's not slave leia costume that's undercover leia costume
7: yeah yeah that's that's,
6: undercover assassin leia costume that's 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 the best and it's sad to lose carrie fisher but uh yeah at least she has even though we know she herself has mixed feelings about how it followed her through her career You can't deny that it has, it's touched a lot of our lives, a
0: lot of lives and our lives, so Star Wars.
6: Yeah. we'll miss her, but I think in some ways we have her forever. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah, thanks, Carrie.
0: Rob Kelly, the host of the Film & Water podcast, Treasury cast, Pod Dylan, and the upcoming Digest cast, all here on the Fire & Water network, picked up on the idea of sharing his favorite Princess Leia moment from other media besides the films.
1: Like uh, pretty much everybody who listens to your show, Ryan, obviously the Star Wars films themselves are the most important part of my Star Wars fandom. I think I, I really think that's true of anybody who's a fan of Star Wars. You may love all the other stuff uh, a lot, but the, the films are really the way to go. But at the same time, you really can't underestimate how important the Marvel Star Wars comic book series was, at least to kids of my age that grew up with the films as they came out in the 70s and early 80s. You know, pre-internet, pre-anything, really. And unless you subscribe to Log or something, which I did not, you really didn't have any Star Wars to tide you over in between the movies. And it was a long three years in between those segments. And so the comic book was it. And luckily for a lot of us that grew up on the, the Star Wars comic book, um, it was really good. The Star Wars Marvel comic was was really well done. It was my favorite Marvel series. It was the only Marvel book that, like, I did a blind buy on. I just bought it every month. And despite my richy-rich persona, I really didn't have a lot of money to spend. And so, you know, you spend 50 cents on a comic book. It better be good. And the Star Wars comic always was. So uh, with that in mind, I want to talk about an issue that, to me, is linked with Carrie Fisher in her role as Princess Leia. And that is Star Wars number 48. Uh, The title is The Third Law. It's written by Larry Hama. The penciler is Carmen Infantino, and the inker is Carlos Garza. It's a one-off. It's a one-and-one and done. Uh, the story is Princess Leia, c 3 po R2-D2, and Rebellion Finance Minister, Viscount Tardy, where's his action figure, arrive on the banking world of Argal to complete the financing of a sale of X-Wing fighters to the Rebellion. Also on the planet is Darth Vader and his entourage of paid assassins specializing in unarmed combat, as it is forbidden for non-citizens of Argyll to carry weapons, just like the town of Unforgiven. Anyway, Vader's assassins make several attempts on Tardy's life, but Leia's quick wit succeeds in not only saving the Viscount, but destroying the assassins as well. Ultimately, Vader is forced to play his hand, and he cuts Tardy down with his lightsaber, but Viscount Tardy is actually a droid made in his image, and the real Tardy had died months ago. Leia had R2 record video images of the quote-unquote murder and transmit them to C-3PO, who was waiting at police headquarters to prevent Vader from exposing their ruse to the authorities. Leia needed the fake Viscount to secure the loan, but she used the Crown Jewels of Alderaan as indisputable collateral. I wonder where she got those. But knowing that the authorities would have discovered that Tardy was a fake when they passed through Argyle's security scanners as soon as they attempted to leave the planet, it was necessary for Leia to manipulate Darth Vader to destroying the duplicate. And part of the reason this issue is so important to me, like I said, otherwise it's other than it's just a really good comic, the cover features Leia shooting a phaser at Darth Vader at point-blank range. And while they had done previous issues to the state where some of the main characters interacted with Darth Vader it of course had to be very limited because due to Lucasfilm's you know sh- sort of strict guidelines they you couldn't have Luke or Han really interact with Darth Vader because it might mess up with uh, what they had planned for the films but this was you know like Luke especially had to stay away from Vader but I think the rules for Leia were a little less so And so she could do a whole issue where she is basic—this issue is basically a two-hander between Leia and Vader. And one of the things I love about it is the way Larry Hammer wrote this issue is that Leia is a real smartass. And she even, like, sort of jokes with Vader. She's sarcastic to him. There's a moment where there's, like, this little bug assassin, a little robot bug that is flying around— leia and she knows that it's a robot assassin and she steps on it pretending not to know and she you know she basically thwarts vader's plan right in front of him and she's like a real smart ass to him and i can't help when i reread this issue and i reread it several times hearing carrie fisher's voice this is a very particularly carrie fishery version of princess leia and i can't help but think that larry hama was influenced uh, by carrie fisher's performance when he wrote this because this is after um Empire Strikes Back had come out this is after Empire Strikes Back had been adapted into comic book form so they you know had a real sense of how much of a smart ass um Carrie Fisher was as Princess Leia so especially in the second movie compared to the first one and so when I reread this issue like I said I- I've done it a bunch of times I-, I I hear Carrie Fisher's voice in my head it is a real Carrie Fisher lay a moment and of course the two people the the character and the actress are inseparable to anyone of my age but in this comic book to me it is the perfect merge of role and actress and it, it makes issue so much more rewarding to hear Carrie Fisher do this part it's one of my favorite issues of the series as much as I think of Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia in the movies of course. Uh, this is the one of the things uh, outside of that that I think of her the most when I think of her in, in the role of Princess Leia is this particular issue. I bought it off the stands, and uh, it's, it's just like one of my most sort of warmly remembered me- memories that I have of Carrie Fisher in the role of Princess Leia. So uh, Star Wars 48, The Third Law, and uh, rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. You were great.
0: Carrie Fisher was many things. Perhaps chief among them, she was an icon. I don't know if she qualifies as a feminist icon, but she was a strong woman, best known for playing a powerful female hero. Therefore, doing this episode without getting an actual woman's perspective on Carrie Fisher would be foolish at best. Unfortunately, I don't know any women, but Chris Franklin, my co-host on Batman Nightcast, convinced his co-host on Supermates to share her thoughts. So here, making her first appearance on Give Me Those Star Wars, is Cindy Franklin.
10: So this is Cindy from Supermates, and um, Chris is sitting here with me, so I'm not talking to a blank wall. Hello. And Ryan put out the call to talk about Carrie Fisher, and um, specifically where she has recently passed away, to share some Carrie Fisher moments. Of course, my earliest memories of Carrie Fisher, like everybody else, are with Star Wars. And what I always loved about Carrie Fisher's portrayal is Leia is just badass. Because, you know, the boys try and come and save her and she ends up saving them. And, you know, to me, that's awesome. She's like, yeah, great. Thanks for the rescue there, guys. You know what? I got this. And, you know, as you go through the series, she is always seen as a strong character. Um, you, She is a general. And one of the things from my understanding is that Carrie Fisher fought in the force awakens to be known as general Leia, not princess Leia. And to me that speaks to, you know, where she saw herself and it was one of those things in um, return of the Jedi, Carrie Fisher, she's in the chain bikini. Here she is the object of desire and all this stuff. She's in this chain mail bikini and literally chained to Jabba and she uses those chains to strangle him and you know you know you can make me into an object but you know what I'm going to use that very objectification to kill you with it which I hope is a lesson that a lot of people take away from that and I have no idea if that was meant to be as metaphorical as it was but it actually was for me it's, that's how I saw that in um the Blues Brothers Carrie Fisher, of course, was uh, engaged to Belushi in the movie. And, you know, she came after him. And he he might have left her at the altar. But, you know what? She came after him with a machine gun, a bazooka, and a flamethrower. She (laughs) was going to make him pay. The only bad thing is, is I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish that they had not said, Oh, baby, I love you. And then she just melted in his arms. Personally, I think if she'd reach down and grab the boys have been a better send-off. But I'm a little bit more revengeful than that, maybe. I kind of see a little bit of myself in Carrie Fisher's portrayal of James, you know, with Belushi, what would have happened. With that one notable exception, I don't forgive easily. One of the big things about, um I don't know if anybody else caught this, but when Carrie Fisher passed away, she was cremated so that her ashes could be, part of her ashes were with her mother with Debbie Reynolds, and her urn, what she actually chose for her urn, was a Prozac pill. (laughs) So she owned the fact that, yes, I have struggled with mental illness. Yes, I've struggled with drug addiction. Um, Postcards from the Edge was a groundbreaking novel that had people saying, yes, I can admit that I, too, struggle with mental illness. These are some things that have happened to her, and she was able to make that relatable. The book is absolutely brilliant. She was a brilliant woman. I hate the fact that she has passed so young, but sometimes the good die young. And you know, yeah, she was sixty, but well, I'm looking down the barrel of forty two, so sixty ain't that old. Do you have anything to add, Christopher?
7: No, you stole my bit with Java and the choking I will I will say that, you know, Leia is probably the first, you know, kick butt princess. I mean, before that, you know, now Disney makes their princesses pretty kick butt, right? But back then, no, they weren't. I mean, they had to, they literally had to have the prince come save them. Mm. Uh, not with Leia, like you said, she did as much rescuing in that movie as Luke and Han did. And you know, and especially she had such a great show in, in Jedi. Yes, like you said, she's in the metal bikini, but she kills Jabba. She fires the cannon on at the skiff. She's riding the speeder bikes, and you know, and and. She saves Han's butt, you know, yes. there. So, I mean, it, you know, she was an equal to to them, and that was something. And it took somebody like Carrie Fisher,
10: mm-hmm. who
7: had that inner strength to portray that character and put it across, and you bought it.
10: Right. Especially and, at that time. Right. And, you know, one of her most, the one of the most wonderful things she said was actually just said recently, where people... In the force awakens criticized her because, oh, she looks old, you know blah blah blah, you know, and you know she hasn't held up well and everything else. but Hollywood unfortunately um, pays tribute to to the young, to the beautiful. And like she said, and this is very true, youth and beauty are not accomplishments. they are the product of time or DNA. yeah, and I mean, that is so, very true, you right. know, if you want to have actual accomplishments. Use your brain. Use your talents.
7: And she did.
0: Another new voice to this podcast, Max Romero runs the Plastic Man fan blog Eow. It's Plastic Man. He has appeared on my Secret Origins podcast last year, and I've been eager to collaborate with him again ever since. Hopefully this segment is not his last appearance on Give Me Those
2: Star Wars. I've started this thing about half a dozen times. First, I tried explaining that Carrie Fisher has been part of my life since I was seven years old. That, of course, was when she first strode across the screen as Princess Leia in Star Wars. Then I tried summing up her professional life, as an actor, a writer, feminist icon, and then when she evolved into her final form as Capital C Carrie. Ugh, I hate when people refer to celebrities by their first names. So I tried starting that way, pointing out that where Carrie Fisher was concerned, I couldn't help it. She meant so much to me personally that referring to her in any other way sounded impersonal but none of it was working. I couldn't explain why she's been so important to me, or why her death felt like such a loss. I finally realized it comes down to one simple thing. I admire Carrie Fisher. As an actor and writer, sure, but mostly as a person. I admire her incredible strength. I admire her intense honesty. I admire her unyielding bravery. These were all qualities that came through in her work. When I watch her as Princess Leia now, I can see Carrie Fisher there. I completely believe that, if she found herself in the position, she would stand toe to toe with Darth Vader. That she'd go undercover to rescue the love of her life, willing to blow her up herself and everyone else around her to get it done. I believe Carrie Fisher would strangle anyone who tried to put chains on her. That bravery and honesty burned bright in everything she did, especially her writing. Her scorched earth style of autobiography started, always, in her own backyard. Instead of shying away from any pain or embarrassment or shame anyone else might have felt if their life got so publicly complicated, she confronted it. She wrestled it into submission. She embraced it. She made it her own. And, in the messy process, she gave us yet another reason to love her. From the beginning, Carrie Fisher has been bigger than life. That hasn't changed. Even now. But I do miss her. I miss knowing she was out there in the world kicking ass and smiling at the thought that anything would try to stop her. All I can do is shoot this cobbled-together message into space and hope it makes sense once it gets there. I like to think it's what Carrie would have done.
0: Taking things in a slightly different but no less sincere direction, FKA Jason from the Silver and Gold Podcast Network that includes the Silver and Gold Podcast, Wild Pod, and the new Mania show dedicated to the superhero Blue Beetle, Jay heard my call for thoughts about Carrie Fisher and then had a couple of drinks before recording his reaction. This was the first reaction that I actually got after asking people to help me put this episode together, which was well over a week ago now. Maybe Jay would have put something together differently if he had sat on it for a few days, but I really appreciate how raw his response is.
9: Hi, Ryan Daly. This is FKA Jason from WildPod and the Silver and Gold Podcast. Uh, I'm pretty... I'm pretty sauced right now Uh, 2016 has been a huge kick in the ass for my heroes and Carrie Fisher was just pushing it a little bit too far so as soon as I got off of work I broke out the liquor and I got started going to town so recording this right now is probably not the best idea but my friend had a call to action and so I answered. Carrie Fisher, Carrie Fisher, my princess. I had a book uh, when I was a kid that was like a behind-the-scenes of Return of the Jedi and had a lot of uh, full-color photos from the movie and and from uh, the set and whatnot. And I don't know if you remember, but in Return of the Jedi, Carrie Fisher had this costume when she was in the Jabba the Hutt palace. It was a bit of a metal bikini, Uh, and I realize that I'm trying to be coy and cute. Everyone knows about the metal bikini, so why try to be a complete uh, a-hole and be cute? Um, That book was an important part of my growing up, and I'll let you use your imagination to figure out why. But there was a page in the middle of it that had Luke Skywalker and uh, Princess Leia on Jabba's uh, sail barge, getting ready to swing off right before Luke kicks the gun that shoots into the sail barge and kills uh, everybody on board. And she's wearing the metal bikini, and you can see the, uh, the curve of her thigh. And, um, well, I loved Carrie Fisher. Uh Carrie Fisher was an awesome human being, not just because she was Princess Leia, but because of her work with uh, you know bringing to light problems people had with uh, you know mental disabilities and uh drug addiction and whatnot she's I mean all of the deaths this year were kind of a kick in the teeth and she's not the first star wars death we've had this year but she's probably the one that really gets me in the heart uh and i don't know how i'm gonna feel once i sober up and I uh, <laughs> i don't know how this is gonna sound because it's all off the cuff and i don't even know if i'm making any sense but i loved her i will always love her and she's always gonna be my princess leia and more than that, you know, she's just freaking awesome. Did you ever see The Man with One Red Shoe? Because if you didn't, you got to check that out. Horrible, horrible, horrible Tom Hanks vehicle. But Carrie Fisher was like a shining star in that crap fest of a movie. Uh, and she's going to be missed. For, for damn sure, she's going to be missed. She did so much more than just Princess Leia. She was Carrie Fisher. I mean, she was Carrie Fisher. What else can you say? And I'm going to miss her and I I wish I had I wish I had the words. I wish I was more articulate. I wish I could say how much it hurts. <laughs> how much this whole goddamn year has hurt. <laughs> I mean, I don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell anybody. We've lost a lot of great ones this year and I know a lot of people are saying just wait until the year is over and it's all going to be done and then we're going to have 2017 and guys, you're fooling yourself. They're going to keep dying. The people we love are going to keep dying because we keep getting older and they keep getting older. But Carrie Fisher was one. That was a bad one. That was a bad one. That was a super bad one. Uh. Thanks for listening to my rambling. I hope there's something you can use in this. Um, Work your editing magic like I know you do. Try to make me sound smart. And thanks for indulging me. God, Carrie Fisher. You might remember a couple of episodes ago,
0: I had this really mean guest on the show. She was bitter, she was surly, and she bashed on The Force Awakens like crazy. Of course, I'm talking about my wife, Angela. Here's what she had to say about Carrie Fisher in particular, Princess Leia's gold bikini.
8: I've never been insulted or disgusted by the metal bikini that Leia wears in Return of the Jedi, and I know that I should be. There's nothing okay about it. It's a demeaning sexual objectification of a woman, and I hadn't really thought about why it never enraged me like it should, but there's something about how Carrie Fisher carries herself when wearing that outfit, and it's a complete rejection of everything that bikini was supposed to be. She doesn't carry herself like a victim, She doesn't carry herself like a sex object. She has the same air about her as she does when she's wearing the jumpsuit on Hoth. She wears the garb of a sex slave, but she makes it look like armor, like she's Wonder Woman. There's dignity in how she wears it. And she has this attitude of, I'm only wearing this until I get the chance to kill you. And I think that's all Carrie Fisher.
0: Paul Hicks is another former guest of Give Me Those Star Wars, as well as one of the hosts of the Doom Patrol podcast, Waiting for Doom.
11: In our family, whenever anyone wants something, we always say, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope, and uh, that's been going on with my wife and I for about 25 years now, which is pretty pretty fun. Um, There's a point where they've just escaped from the trash compactor, and they're about to make their way down to the Millennium Falcon, and they look out the window, and they can see the Millennium Falcon down in the docking bay below. And Princess Leia says to Han Solo You came in that thing? You're braver than I thought And she does it with such a twinkle in her eye And she knows she shouldn't say that And it's pushing his buttons But she does it anyway And um, there's no bit of dialogue as good as that In any of the prequels Uh, There's no bit of characterisation as good as that But uh, it comes down to her And the way she sells it And the way it works Um, Love Carrie Fisher Love everything that she does uh, loved her performances in the Star Wars films. So, yeah, let's just celebrate her life. It was She was such an amazing woman. Cheers.
0: The last guest on this episode is my friend Omar, who previously appeared on Dead, & Spies, the Star Wars podcast that preceded this one. And if scheduling works out, you'll hear Omar again on an upcoming episode.
12: It's hard to put into words like what a loss this is because... You know, I, I think she's just one of those people that despite her very public difficulties in the, you know, in the limelight of the national press and with drugs and everything like that, um, she's just one of those people that I just assumed would be around because she's, you know, it, it's not obvious, but like Carrie Fisher left an indelible imprint on American culture in, in a lot of ways that, you know, in a lot of cases in ways that we didn't really anticipate. Uh, I think an incredibly underrated actor and you know, I remember watching with you especially the Blues Brothers, and how absolutely funny she was while doing like very little. And I, know, I know I know part of that was just kind of trading in on her iconic status, just to be absurd and to be funny. But it was it, it was at, it, it worked, and it was subversive, and it cut into the image that we had of her at the time. I like that Carrie Fisher wasn't you know refused to be pigeonholed. Um, I like that she was fiercely unapologetic about, you know, the, the, the public mess that her life was. Um, and I like the fact that she was brutally candid about some of the more unsavory aspects about the business, starting with the audition process for Star Wars when, you know, she talks about how they sent her away to like a fat farm to like get in shape for this role. And I'm just like, you know, I'm sure Carrie Fisher, pre the role of Princess Leia was still elegant and beautiful. And just like every other Hollywood actress who was forced to, you know, like to get in unrealistic shape. If she had just been walking down the street and hadn't gone through that training, it would still be like, wow, what an amazingly attractive person. But uh, I like the fact that it was a warts and all, you know, expression of her, her years there, because I think a lot of actors, particularly actresses, get are, are conditioned to talk about how, you know, oh, it really wasn't anything getting in shape for this role or, oh, I really like eating kale. And, you know, she was a real live person. And even in a way that like an iconic movie star like Harrison Ford was not. In a way that she, she was the most relatable of all the actors in that series because she had the most prolific ups and downs. And the fact that she was able to Reinvent herself and reinvent her career as an amazing writer, not just in books like Postcard from the Edge and her memoir Wishful Drinking, but also as a, and a lot of people don't know about this, that she was like a script doctor, which is amazing, which is phenomenal. And the fact, you know, and a lot of women weren't getting opportunities to do that as recently as like 15, 20, 25 years ago. There's nothing I can say about her that hasn't been more eloquently said by, you know, hundreds of thousands of other people, but she's. She left an indelible imprint on my childhood, on American culture. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's enormously sad. It's, I can't imagine any person associated with Star Wars whose, whose passing would affect me more greatly. Like, I, I, I still think of her as Hollywood royalty because of this iconic role, because of who she was, because of the family she was born into, because of what she chose to do with her, her life and her talent and her gift. That's really profound for me. And, you know, she broke the mold in, like, thousands of ways. Yes, of course I was very attracted to her. And, like, they marketed her sexuality and the fact that, you know, she was an incredibly attractive woman. But, like, that part of my brain switched off very quickly when she got into rebel general mode. Um, And the fact that she was able to, to go very seamlessly between those roles, between a vulnerable princess, between, like badass leader between, you know, an apologetic sex kitten, you know, it's just, it's a tribute to her versatility. And I, in the fact that she was able to have, you know, sort of a, a, a very interesting perspective on those years and turn it into grist for very interesting memoirs and very interesting sort of guides for how to make it in Hollywood and how to make it as a young woman, figuring it out in Hollywood, I think is invaluable. Yeah. It's, it's an enormously sad, been a sad few weeks i don't like i said i don't think there's anyone else like george lucas mark hamill harrison ford there might be some of their you know when i inevitably hear news of you know when they pass hopefully a long time from now knock on wood it nothing will affect me as much as when i heard carrie fisher passed away like that's it's enormously sad and like i my thoughts and prayers are with her daughter especially and like you know all the star wars fans who know and love her. um she's she's an icon
0: Everything my friends and fellow podcasters have said about Carrie and Princess Leia on this episode, I co-sign or second or repost, and I'm sure as Give Me Those Star Wars continues, there will be more occasions to talk about how wonderful Carrie Fisher was, and how difficult her absence will be going forward. But before I wrap this episode, there are two things I wanted to mention, one a sort of announcement, and the other an observation. First, I am retiring the original Galactic Questionnaire that started with the first episode of this podcast. That, of course, includes the sixth question, Would you rather go on a date with Princess Leia or Carrie Fisher? There are other versions of the questionnaire. I've used the second version when I had repeat guests on the show, and I will introduce new questions as needed. The other thing I wanted to talk about was something that occurred to me when I watched Rogue One A Star Wars Story for the second time. Now, if you haven't seen the movie yet, this is a spoiler for the very end of the movie, so, you know, warning. Rogue One ends with a shot of Captain Antilles handing the Death Star planes to Princess Leia aboard the Tantive IV that first appeared in the opening shots of Star Wars A New Hope. The camera holds for a moment on the face of Princess Leia, or more specifically the face of Norwegian actress Ingvild Dela with a sort of computer-generated mask of Carrie Fisher as a 19-year-old. The idea was to use CGI to come as close to recreating the 1977 version of Princess Leia as possible. And it mostly works, I think. Not quite as well as the film's recreation of Grand Moff Tarkin, but it's okay. The point is this, and I couldn't help but find this strange and surreal, Hollywood has reached the point where they can virtually recreate the image of Carrie Fisher in her prime, and a week later she dies. There is a heartbreaking joke in this absurd reality that I can't quite think of because I'm not as funny as Carrie Fisher, but I think she would have found the situation ridiculously comical. Star Wars has always owned her likeness, and now they can recreate her beauty and her youth for brand new content. It's it's like they don't need her anymore. That's an awful, awful thought, but... I don't know. I I think she would have gotten a laugh out of it. And that's all I've got for this episode.
3: I recognized your foul
10: stench when I was brought on board.
8: Charming to the last.
0: Give Me Those Star Wars is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Feedback for the show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or the Facebook page for Give Me Those Star Wars. You can also find me on Twitter at RyanDaily01 or you can send an email to OurDailyPodcast at gmail.com. Part of the theme music for this podcast is performed by the Evil Genius Orchestra from their album Star Wars Cocktails in the Cantina, available for purchase on iTunes and at Amazon Music. That and all other music, audio clips, quoted text are used for entertainment purposes and believe covered under fair use. Give me those Star Wars is not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm, and I make no money off this podcast, so no copyright infringement is intended. Thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you, Carrie.